0: Let's sing this verse again. Mm -hmm. Through many days day that's going to be when we stand on the other side, as the song goes on to say, when we've been there 10,000 years, it's coming a time in the eternals ahead, time here will mean nothing anymore, amen, we'll be there throughout the eternal ages, I don't want to miss it, do you? No, it's a little joy that we have in our heart this morning. It's only a reflection. What will it be when we get over there? Amen. He sat down at that table. that spread thousands of miles long. Come down to his house. He walks among us. Wipes all the tears away. The toils of this life will seem nothing when we come to the end of the way. I just say to you, keep pressing on. Amen. Don't stop short of the goal. Whatever God has done for you in your life, you know there's even more that you can experience from Him. Invite Him today to speak real direct to your heart and to your life and to cause you to come up another step higher. Amen. And walk with Him. Shall we pray? Father, we love you today, and we thank you for your many blessings to us, for your grace. And Lord, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to serve you. Lord, looking out on the face of this congregation, I, I see many fathers here that we today will just honor, honor them as an as earthly father. But, Lord, we have got a greater father than even that, and that's you, our heavenly father. And we're so thankful for the fatherhood of God where you birth children into the kingdom. And, Lord, one day, Lord, we'll be together with you, your offspring around you, and the great eternals ahead. I ask, Lord, that you'll prepare our hearts for that great day, Lord, when we'll all be joined together. Lord, we see some wonderful things happen in our age. Lord, the heavens are moving. Lord, God, things are happening here upon the earth, winding up time to bring us into eternity. I pray, Lord, you'll bless your children today and may they realize how close we are to that grand event, Lord. Every person here today, prepare their hearts for that time ahead. As we look into the word, I pray that you would bless it to us. Father, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Good to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. I want to wish you fathers happy Father's Day. And, and um, also, I, as I look upon many of you today, I, I realize... Like Paul said um, uh, to Timothy, he said, you may have a thousand instructors in Christ, but not many fathers, for I have begotten you to Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So today we gather here, we're just glad to be with the children of God and have the, the privilege of serving him together. If you'll turn with me to Revelation 5 and verse 1, I just want to remind you that um, we're going to get together for men's prayer breakfast next Saturday at eight o'clock, and uh, if you want to come, be sure to sign up for that. So, um, it's not that you can't come if you don't sign it up, but if, if we know you're coming, it helps us to prepare a little bit. Uh, Revelation chapter five and verse one, and I saw in the right hand of Him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed. With seven seals, and I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, "Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof, and no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look their own, and I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look their own and one of the elders said unto me. and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. Amen. God bless you. Amen. You can be seated. Man, we've had the the, um, uh, singing of the songs and the worship unto the Lord today, and the beautiful hymn played on the harmonica. Thank you, Brother Kirkman, lovely song. Thank you, Sister uh, Natalie. We appreciate the worship unto the Lord, and you're given unto the Lord, which is also a, a part of our worship. I I uh, have some missionary plans this year. Not this is not for the Japanese missions, but actually for African missions. And um, I just would uh, have a special friend there in one of the poorest areas of of Africa that I have spent a lot of time helping him in in in. In the ministry, and um, answering a lot of questions, helping him with many things, and uh, there's some needs that have come up in his church for um, some of the musical things. And so, if you'll remember that when you give unto to the Lord, um, you want to give a missionary offering, you can do so. Just write it on one of the envelopes when we take the offering. But we want to be a mission-minded church. Amen. God has blessed us so much. If you just look around and see what he's done for us, Um, God's such a comfortable place to uh, meet together in. And and, uh, as I told you when we were dedicating the church, that he is El Shaddai, he is more than enough. And he, he was more than enough, and he's given us so much abundantly, and we appreciate that so very, very much. Amen. We're going today to speak on the branch, and, um, and again, we are speaking on the people of the book, but this part this morning is going to be on the branch. We'll get to that as I, you know, just kind of give you just a little preface um, and a little background into um, that part of the service today. But the, symboli- the symbolism of the Bible is just absolutely perfect. When we look at the book of Revelation, it is a book of symbols, and it's written symbolic. I mean, you're seeing a strange uh, uh, animal lamb with seven horns, seven eyes, and you're seeing um, living creatures around the throne, and... Uh, you're you're hearing about a lion, and you're hearing about a lamb, and you're hearing about a root, and all of these things that are spoken of here in this uh, great symbolism in the book of Revelation. And um, they are the symbols that are representing the role of our Christ. Even these animals that we're seeing, they're both... uh, he is both the lion and the lamb, the king and the priest. Uh, this is symbolic of his, uh, his, him being king. Lion is symbol of king. And lamb is, is symbol of his priesthood. And uh, today he is still our high priest. I'm glad to know that, aren't you? I, I think of the grand message, Brother Branham preached on who is this Melchizedek? And as he comes to the end, he begins into discernment and, and uh, calling out people who have needs, and they're touching Jesus. And he said, "Who did they touch? They just touched the high priest. They didn't touch me. I'm a, I'm a man, and I'm, I'm um, you know many feet away from them. But they touched the high priest, and he's still the high priest that can be touched with the feelings of our infirmity." And I am glad that we can say we've come to what, like Paul said, where that Paul said we can't. We have come to Jesus, the mediator of a better covenant. Yeah. These are these are just awesome things to me to know where that Paul brought the church to, and and our messenger in this day brought us exactly back to where what Paul preached, and we're not preaching a different gospel. We don't need a William Branham Bible, right? Amen. We, we don't need a Mormon Bible or Jehovah's Witness Bible. We've we, we seen God vindicate this very King James ver- version of the Bible and make it live again. Amen. How wonderful is that? Amen. What a great day that we're living in that we can come back to the original truth and word of God. Now, um, you know, so again, today he is our high priest, but one day in the great millennium ahead, he will be king over the earth. And he is, but he has not yet taken on that role yet. This is very important for us to understand. Although he is coming king, he is not yet king of the earth. Um, If Jesus is king and has taken on the role of lion, then he is responsible then for all the suffering, the sickness, and sin, even as a king is responsible for the welfare of his country, right? I mean, if the economy is bad, we blame the president, don't we? We blame those that are in leadership, and uh, you know for there to be sin we we can actually blame the king of the earth for the horrible conditions that are in the world today because but when jesus is king there will be no more suffering no more pain and sin or sorrow or death now man was made to be the king of the earth and he originally Owned the title to the earth, and the Bible said that the meek one day will inherit the earth. And uh, but Psalms 8 and 6 says, Thou made him to have dominion over the works of thy hands, thou hast put all things under his feet. And so, when man sinned, he handed the rulership of the earth over to Satan, and Satan became the king over man, and thus king over the earth. And so since then, he's reigned as the prince of the power of the air and controls the atmospheres of the earth. And he's also the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And that's very, very serious because, you know, if you're living in sin today, it's because you've got an evil king that's on the throne of your heart. And there's only one way to stop the evil in your life, because you can say, "Well, I, I can control it." No, you've got a king there that's going to make it, that has made you in slavery right. to drugs, alcohol, tobacco, or whatever sex sins, all the other is because of an evil king on your life. It isn't. That, it isn't so much that you're an evil person, but it is. There's an evil king. That is sitting on the throne of your heart. And he controls who you are and your deeds and actions. You say, well, I'm a pretty good boy. Well, you know, that may be all right. But all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so this puts you in the basis of of the the spirit that now worketh upon the children of disobedience. It's the same as the prince of the power of the air that you see that is causing men to murder and rape and and, and there's crime and evil and horrible things, incest. All kinds of things are happening because that Satan is king over this earth. He rules over the hearts of men. Now, if Christ is now already the lion, which symbolizes the judge and the king, then that would make Jesus responsible for every sin, every sickness, every death, every sorrow, every blind child, and every tothering old man or woman because as king, he is letting such as this go, uh, go on in his kingdom. But the reason this evil hand, happens upon the earth is that man handed the rule of the earth over to Satan. As long as as man ruled the earth under God. There, you know, the lion lay down by the lamb and there was peace in the valley. You know, there was good, there was no evil. There was not nothing going wrong. But when man handed his soul over to Satan and let Satan have dominion over him, then he became subservient to sin and Satan then became the king over his life, and thus Adam sold us all into slavery. And, and so we were all born into slavery under Satan's dominion. And so it takes a new birth to birth us into a new kingdom. And that kingdom is where Jesus is the king. That's what makes the difference between us and the world is because Jesus sits on the throne of our heart, and he rules what goes on in this part of the earth. Amen? Amen. And it brings this part of the earth, this body, in subjection to the Holy Spirit. Now, so the book of Revelation shows that Satan is king over the earth, even during the tribulation. And and in that time, God will rain plagues upon Satan's kingdom. And, And he will come, Jesus will come in Revelation 19 with his bride, and Satan will be bound and cast into prison. And then Jesus becomes king over the earth for the millennial reign. And that's when he will reign and take the role as lion where that he will reign as son of David over the earth. All right. So if you go with me to Revelation 19 and verse 11, we'll just read it where its words in the scripture as we kind of set the background for what I want to preach on today. Now Revelation nineteen eleven, and I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and him that sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he just judge and make war. Now he came two thousand years ago, as the as the mighty God. That word actually means uh, El Gibor, which is the hero God, the mighty God. And he come as a warrior to take on human battles. Amen. Amen. And so he became the captain then of our salvation to lead, uh, to to start the work to lead the earth back under the dominion of God again. Because there's coming a reign to the, uh, there's coming an end to the reign of sin. All right. Amen. There's coming an end to it. Just keep that in mind. It can happen for you this morning as an individual, amen, that you can bring your part of the earth down to the altar and ask for a new king to come sit on the throne. You don't have to remain a sinner. Amen. You, do, you, you fight your way to hell because all of the word, all, all, all of God's power, everything he's ever did has, has been to war against you having to go to hell. God does not want, he does not want to lose a one. It is, he is not willing that any should perish. If you go to hell, it's because you went against the will of God and trampled over every word of God, every message, every sermon that's ever preached to get there. Now, so again... Um, In in righteousness, he to judge and make war. Now, this is actually the picture of where he's coming back in power to take the earth over again. This is still all future. And his eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And I like to say this. The reason why he had many crowns, he had many victories and many lives I'm glad to say, brother, uh, he's had a victory in my life. and uh, Amen. And I place that crown of victory upon my Lord. Are you with me this morning? Amen. Watch what he says. His eyes was as a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but himself. And he's clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And out of his mouth goes a sharp, two-edged sword. Oh, wait, I missed it. Verse 14, and the armies. Oh, yeah, we can't leave us out. Amen. We're talking about the king, but he's not alone. There's somebody on his side. Don't you want to be on his side? Amen. Because those are on his side are going to take their promise, they're going to take their land, they're taking their possession. And this is showing there are there's a whole armies which were in heaven followed him, also on white horses, symbolizing power, the word coming in power, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Oh now, and out of his mouth. Goeth a sharp sword that, he, that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Oh, look who this is coming. He's coming king. This is what happens when Jesus becomes king, and is judge and starts ruling as a lion of the tribe of Judah. Verse eleven, verse fifteen of chapter eleven of Revelation, and the um, the as seven angels sounded. There were great voices in heaven saying, "The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever." And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and was and art to come the same yesterday, today, and forever, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath has come in the time of the dead that they should be judged that thou should give us reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and to them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. So here again, he takes to himself his great power and reigns. Now, this, of course, is future. Now, if, you, if you're saying, if you, you misplace this and say he's already lying now, He's already come into position as judge and lion now. That's, his, that's where he is. That's, that's his role now. Then you make Jesus then responsible for all the sin in the earth. But when he takes to himself the great, his great power, he will rid sin off of the earth. I say, what a day that's going to be. Amen. So no, Now notice he... Then he will judge. And, and, but until then, I want to get this to you. Until then, he still offers mercy and he intercedes on the behalf of those that will come to him. Amen. Amen. Once they're gathered to, them, to him and the great rapture ahead, he will pledge Satan's kingdom. Oh, I envision it just like this. When Satan is cast down to the earth and, and uh, where it says now has come salvation and, and, and the power of thy of Christ and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of thy testimony, of, of their testimony. Are you with me? All right, so, well, you know, in that moment, I envision it kind of like it was sometimes back in the days of Israel when they were going from Egypt back to their promised land and the Red Sea got in their way. And the people all got real nervous and afraid because of what they were facing. Uh, They they looked like they were trapped. But it wasn't them that were trapped. And my God had set a trap for Pharaoh. And said, come on. Come on in here. Come on. Come on down here. Follow, Follow him right down into this sea. Follow, chase down my children right down into this place. And he gets him in that place and he closes a sea on him, destroys Pharaoh. Hallelujah. Well, I tell you, all the, all the demons are going to be coming upon the earth. Amen. When, but a bride is going to be called out of here. And when he does, God will dump out the vials, the bowls of his judgment, and he'll judge Satan's kingdom. And he will bring vengeance upon him that has troubled you. I'm going to tell you, Satan ain't getting by with nothing. God's got a trap for him. He'll bring him into it. He doesn't show it in the Bible too many times. Once, they're gathered, once the saints are gathered to them, he will plague Satan's kingdom. And then he and his saints are going to come back to earth as an army. And yes, he's coming as King of kings and Lord of the lords. Now, You know, to keep it scriptural, we've got to keep things in Bible order. He does not, notice we read, he does not take the book, the book that is sealed with seven seals, he does not take it as a lion. He is a lion. He is the coming king. Amen? But he did not take it, the book, as a lion. He takes it as a... A lamb, You see, Jesus has always been king, but he didn't come to earth as a king, but as a servant and bore our sins. Remember this? Now, so Matthew 2 and 2 says, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. See, he was already the king. So potentially, he has always been the lion. And man, he's always he is the original king. Gave, Gave a throne to man. Man lost his throne. Satan is a squatter. Now then the title to it is in question. Satan is ruling because man subjected himself, but he's not the original king and he doesn't have the rights to the land. It's not his, it is not his property. And I'm going to say about you this morning, you are not his property. Let me say it this way. Your body is not even his property. You belong to God, body, soul, spirit, every bit of it. You are God's. And Satan only has a right to squat on the earth, even your body, for only a time. But his time is coming up. Now, Matthew twenty one and five says, "Tell ye, the daughter of Zion, behold, or look, the, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, and the colt a, a foal of an ass." And truly, he he was their king, but he'd come meek and as a, in the role of a servant to wash their feet, to put on human clothes. To put on humanity and, and to, to bear then, ultimately bear the sins of many. He was a servant. Now, even though he's a rightful heir to the earth, yet he would not take the kingdom without paying its debt. He would not take the kingdom without the cross. Amen. He would not take it. Satan offered him the kingdom. If he would worship him. He could have had the kingdom without the cross. If he just worshiped him. Now, let me tell you something. Satan will also offer you a kingdom. Some kingdoms are big like Elvis. Has Cadillacs and oh, you know, great, uh, great crowds and and many fans and lots of money and women and wine and everything else. Ain't offer you a king? He'll offer you the world without Calvary. Amen. But that kingdom ain't gonna last. It'll always come down into misery and sin because Satan is a hard taskmaster. And he will come, he will come exacting his dues off of you, and, and, you, and he'll bring you and humble you and, and, and destroy your life. He has no interest in you. Except for your destruction. But he'll offer you the prettiest girl, the best-looking man. Oh, you know some, some some people are cheap. Some people are cheap. They, they they will they will give themselves over to him cheap. A lot of people, I mean cheap highs of drugs alcohol some little old sex queen out here that ain't that ain't worth nothing And you give your whole life to it and you sell out for nothing I, I'm just I'm just dealing with something for a moment people sell themselves really cheap and i'm just going to tell you today that the throne and the kingdom that you will enjoy with Jesus Christ is not without Calvary it's going to require something very expensive and that's giving your whole self to become his subject Now I've spoke very seriously, and I'm, just, and I'm just saying this for the record: don't walk out of this building without doing something about the lordship of your life.. Now, I'm going to go back to preaching. But I'm speaking very personal at this moment. But even though even though that he was the rightful heir to the earth, Jesus would not take the kingdom without paying its debt. And that's why he went to Calvary to pay for the sins of his subjects. And as a servant, he bore our sins. He paid the price of redemption. And in taking the book and the title to man and to the earth, he did it as a lamb. Although he is truly king. Now, let's go back and look at Revelation 5, and we'll just begin with verse 5. And one of the elders said unto me, We've not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, I looked, and lo in the midst of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood the lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth unto all the earth, and he, the lamb, came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And I understand, he took it not as a lion, but as a lamb. One day he will come as a lion, Amen. But when he does, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord. Yes. Now, so again, Brother Branham would say in the Revelation of Jesus Christ series, he said, and he quotes Revelation fifteen three, and you can put this up. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb saying, great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty, um, just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. So he is king, isn't he? King of what? Saints. He's not king of the earth, but he's your king, brother Michael. Michael. He's my king this morning. Hallelujah. I'm glad to say he's the ruler. Amen. Amen. His word reigns supreme in my life. Amen. Look, he said, do you see it? The lamb, the high priest, holding his blood as an atonement on the mercy seat for our sins is the Lord God Almighty. That is his present office. That's what he is doing now, pleading his blood for our sins. But one day, that lamb will become the lion of the tribe of Judah. He will come forth in power and glory and take his authority to reign as king. He is coming, king of this earth. Of course, that does not say he isn't king now, for he is our king, he's king of saints. Right now, it's a spiritual kingdom. It is not of this world system, even as we're not of this world. That's the reason we act different from the world. Our citizenship is in heaven. We reflect the spirit of the world of our rebirth, where Jesus is the king. That's why our women do not wear or do not dress in men's clothing or cut their hair or use all those cosmetics and other things that the world likes so much. That is why our men don't drink and smoke and carry on in sin. Our dominion is a dominion over sin. And it is enforced through the power that is within the spirit of Christ that indwells us. Every kingdom on earth is going to be torn down, but ours will remain. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. You know, I, I thought about it when I went to Israel. And I looked at the line up of people who was going to what they call the holy land, which is the Jews' holy land. It's also the place where the New Jerusalem was set down. It's also the place of our forefathers, Peter, James, John, Paul. Amen. Amen. And as I got on the, as I went there, I saw a lot of strangely dressed people. I saw men with hats on and, and, and they, they had little ringlets that come down just the side right here because they were testifying they were Nazarites unto the Lord. They had, they had other symbolisms there where they had fringes on their garments and all of them. And I looked at them and I looked at myself, you know, they, they were strange to my eyes. You know, in the, they were out of place. They, didn't, they, they just didn't look like they belonged here. But when I got over into Israel, they fit just right. This is the way they looked over there. This was a common sight. It wasn't a strange sight. It was a common sight. This was the way people, many of them dressed, many of them looked, and everything else. And you're walking around here in this world and many of you maybe look strange and you're dressing strange and you're acting strange and everything else is strange to the people of this Sodom world. But I want to assure you, this is not where you belong. You are reflecting the land that you came from. Our women dress in the way they dress in that land because there's a holy dress. Come on, our men are holy men. Our young people are holy young people. It's holiness unto the Lord. And we are reflecting the place. Though we look strange here, though we're pilgrims here, though we're out of place here, we're not out of place there. When Brother Brandon went beyond the curtain of time, There wasn't a bobbed haired woman there. There wasn't a woman in pants. And nobody looked strange and out of place. They fit. The reason why you are the way you are is because you don't belong here. This is not your home. The Sodom world that you live in. Is not your values. Is not who you are. But I want you to think of Christianity. As it came from the original gospel of Paul. It wasn't long till they lose even the Godhead. They no longer are adhering to, Hero Israel, the Lord thy God is one Lord. They have a trinity of gods. They have a baptism that's not even by immersion. They have titles instead of the name. Many of the truths are lost out in this dispersal as the church strayed from its original place. And I just want to say that even though that the church strayed from the land of promise, the land of the Bible, there remained a root. Now, and after all these years, I just want to say there is a root that will prevail. Amen. And we see him here in Revelation 5. The root, the root hath prevailed to open the book. And to open the book means to open the title of the land. And to bring the title back means to give you back the land. And I want you to know it's because the root prevailed the root prevailed Amen. to bring forth a branch. Amen. Hallelujah, to have an offspring, to have a people that's of his name, that's of his blood, that is of his life, that is of his power, that all he is, she is. Amen. A people that matches her book. Now, Revelation 5 and 5 says, the elders said, we not... Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book. The root, the root prevails. The bride tree has put forth another branch from the root. You know, Isaiah 60 and verse 21 says, Thy people shall also shall be all righteous. They shall inherit the land forever. The branch of thy planting and the work of my hands that I may be glorified. Hallelujah. Amen. When we look at it again, thy people shall all be righteous. Amen. They shall inherit the land. Amen. I want you just to look at any promise that you are lacking this morning and just say to, 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 to just say within your heart this verse is for me. I will inherit that portion. Amen, amen. The branch of my planting, let me tell you, is not just something stuck out there. It is predestinated for this moment. He planted you in this land, and there ain't enough devils in hell to uproot you. Amen. Hallelujah. fight all you want to, war against us all you want to, but you'll not uproot this branch. It's a branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I might be glorified. The Patmos vision, Brother Branham, would tell us about this. John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. He is the main vine which comes out of the original root from the original seed that had the life in it. Now the vine does not bear the fruit, it's the branches that does it. Now watch this, you can take a citrus tree such as an orange tree and graft into it a grapefruit limb, a lemon limb, a tangelo limb, and all kinds of that variety, citrus variety of course, and all those limbs will grow. But those grafted limbs will not bear oranges. No sir, the lemon limb will bear lemons. The grapefruit limb will bear grapefruit and so on. Yet those limbs will be thriving off the life of the tree. But if that tree ever puts forth another branch of itself, it will be an orange branch and bear oranges. Why? Because the life in the limb and the life in the trunk are identical, whereas it wasn't so with the, the grafted limbs. Those grafted limbs had their sources in other kinds of life, from other trees, from other roots, or from other seeds. But they will bear fruit all right, but it won't bear oranges. They cannot be because they are not the original. And that's the way the churches, the vine has been split and limbs have been grafted in. And they have grafted in Baptist limbs and Methodist limbs and Presbyterian limbs and Pentecostal limbs. And these limbs are bearing Baptist and Methodist and Pentecostal and Presbyterian fruit, denominational seeds from which they produce their fruit. But if the vine ever puts forth another branch of itself, that branch will be exactly like the vine itself. It will be the same kind of branch that it will brought forth at Pentecost. It will speak in tongues, prophesy. It will have the power and the signs of the resurrected Jesus Christ in it. Why? Because it's thriving on the natural resources of the vine itself. You see, it wasn't grafted in the vine. It was born in the vine. When these other branches were grafted in, all they could do is bear their own fruit, for they were not born of the vine. They don't know about that original life and original fruit. They don't know. They, they cannot know because they were not born of it. But it, had they been born of it, that same life that was in the original stem, Jesus would have come through them and manifested through him. Jesus John 14, 12, verily, verily, I say to you, he that believeth on me the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, for I go to my Father. A branch. The root hath prevailed to bring forth a branch. Jeremiah 33 and verse 15, In those days and at that time will I cause the branch of righteousness to grow up unto David. And he shall execute judgment and righteousness in the land. In those days shall Judah be saved. And Jerusalem shall dwell safely. And this is the name wherewith she shall be called. The Lord our righteousness. She will be called by his name. The root has prevailed to bring forth the branch. And so she is called by his name. She will have his life. She will have his righteousness. She will have his holiness. Do you notice he comes to... He comes and will execute judgment. How does he do this first? By taking the book and loosening the seals and handing it back to his original owners. Amen. Now, this is what Brother Brandon preached. He called it the restoration of the bride tree. God's planting would come forth as a branch. And he says... You know, it's a restoration. Notice, it's not a reformation. It is a restoration back to the original beginning. Give me some more cooler air up here, please. Now, so it's to bring it back to the former owner, to, to restore it back to its former state of condition. And so, you know, then you have a right then, as he's making this restoration, to force a claim on any promise, amen, to to bring it back to its right place, and we're in our restoration, and you've got a right to enforce upon the devil now, amen, give me back my land, amen, to restore it back to the rightful owner again, Amen. You know, it went away from the rightful owner and wandered around everywhere. But the restore is to bring it back to who really owns it. Amen. To bring it back to its original, its natural estate where it was the first time. Oh, my. Just think about that. Amen. Not, not, not sickness in the body. Amen. To enforce upon the devil. Get back that health souls of men that he's taken from god we've got a right as a church amen to pledge satan until he gives up those he has taken hostage are you with me church we've got a right to enforce upon the enemy Who would want to camp out on this promised land and say, You do not dwell here. It is not your home. This is my home. My home is where healing is. My home is where the power of God is. My home is where joy is. This is my inheritance. In other words, the original, the root of the original church at Pentecost is not a dead root. The apostolic age is not over with. The church that Jesus said he would build, that the gates of hell would not prevail against. This church of the seventh age does not end in defeat. Amen. She ends in the greatest victory that any church ever had. Hallelujah, because she ends in the very rapture of the church. Amen, the longing of every age. I want you to know that is your inheritance. Amen. Amen. We don't end in defeat. But rather Christ or the life in the true church is a continuation of the book of Acts. The bride tree hath put forth another branch. Amen. She's booming. This last part of this Laodicean age is the bride age because it's the rapture age. Amen. It's the age where that this bride becomes the same bride she was at Pentecost. Amen. Amen. You, might, you might think of, you know, when Brother Branham said things like the bride has called out of the age and I just want to say, surely she was called out of the Pentecostal age into the bride age. But this seventh age bride has been called out of the church system, but she's not called out of the church. Amen. I this bride is the church that began on the day of Pentecost. It is the church that Jesus built, that he said would be without spot or wrinkle or blemish. Come on, somebody help me preach. Amen, it's a truth, church. That is who we are. We are that church. Sometimes in all of this, I think we lose sight of something very important. As we focus on the bride, and we absolutely should focus on her. That's our day, that's our hour, that's our ministry, that's who we are. But you know, and I want to just say, you know I ended last Sunday speaking about the Jewish elitism and and then mercy and, and, and that multitude without number and how they washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb but i think we sometimes lose we lose sight of something very important as we narrow our focus just on the bride there are there is not a the, the a message of the hour there are messages of the hour Each one prepare, prepares the people for the coming of the Lord. And some are for the rapture and some are for the tribulation. Some are preparing them. Are you with me? For the rapture of the church where we meet him in the air. Some of them it's preparing others to meet to, to, to have to meet the Lord when, when he comes with the ten thousands of his saints. Let me just read you a quote, Brother Bradham preached in Jeffersonville after the seals. In July 24th, God doesn't call a man to judgment without first warning him, like the warning went forth this morning. And then he said, God confirms, God confirms that message that Billy Graham preaches. You know what? I watched Billy Graham preach, and I saw tens of thousands people get up out of their seat and march forward to receive Christ. And all I can say is, wow, what an anointing. What an amazing altar call. You know, he says, God heals the sick by all Roberts' prayers. This is after the seals. And God's still healing the sick by all Roberts' prayers. And he said God produces the same of the things that Jesus proves that that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's calling those things that is messages of the hour, messages of the hour. And each one of those messages is calling repent or perish. That's right. Repent or perish. There's no hopes. It's all gone. The world is warned of his coming. Every one of them messages speaks and warns of the coming of the Lord Jesus, both to the church denominal. Remember, God's always in threes, like Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, justification, and and sanctification, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and so forth. He's in threes. Now, that God is in that message of repentance to the church nominal. God is in that message of divine healing to the church Pentecostals. God is in the message to the bride. See, so we find out all of them calling one to this, one this to that, that to that. God is calling the church out of the world. He is calling the church out of denominational church into Pentecost. And He's calling the bride out of Pentecost. Amen. 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 My three messages, all from God, working with different classes of people. Can you imagine a God rich in mercy? Merciful God like that. Hallelujah. Oh, my. Let me tell you something, friends. He, he, let, let me just say it again. He's calling a church out of the world. That was Billy Graham. He's calling, he's calling the, 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 the church out of denominational church into Pentecost. That was Oral Roberts. And he says he's calling the bride out of Pentecost. That's this message. Hey Amen. You just happen to be, be called out of all that other into the bride. What a merciful God. You know what he did? He took the pattern and he laid it down upon all the good material there. And and there's a pattern that met his bride. And he cut out his bride. And the rest of it, he didn't burn. He still got use for it. They just go into the wash for more purging. Let me tell you. That phenomena of that move of God. today there are .7 billion people that are Pentecostals. It's the largest move. This phenomena has happened since 1906 in about 100 years. Now and so I just want to say, what an outpouring as God pours out his spirit upon all flesh. Amen. But what is God doing? He's gathering the names on the Lamb's book. Whether it's the bride or that great multitude without number who wash the robes in the blood of the Lamb, He's gathering them. Amen. What for the great eternal day ahead? Now you see that the remnant will wash her robes in the blood of the Lamb. In, during the tribulation, she'll be purged for her sin and unbelief and rejecting the message. That's what Brother Branham taught us in the seventh seal. Now, so he said she'll come up in the second resurrection, be, be granted eternal life because she was saved from destruction, because she had a knowledge under salvation. And even the king refers to them as righteous in Matthew 25. I'm talking about a God who's got a lot more mercy than you can imagine. I'm talking about a God's not willing any should perish. Didn't I preach some things the other day that God's doing some extreme things? God's doing some very extreme things in our generation. Brother Branham told us in the seventh seal, we're at the age of the eagle. The revelation to be revealed, the whole thing. Compare this with Revelation 10, verse 1 to 7. And at the days of the sounding of the seventh angel's message was to finish up all the mysteries. We find out in the sixth seal, not being open, it was for a threefold purpose. Here's the purpose. First thing, it was for those sleeping virgins had to go through the tribulation period for purification. She had to be purged of our sins of unbelief and rejecting the message. And This she's, she was done in the, in the uh, tribulation period. And they wind over here in Revelation 7, between the 6th and 7th chapter here, where she, uh, that she's been purged and she's been given a rope. Now she's not the bride, but it's the church, the pure people that maybe didn't have the opportunity to receive the message or in some way were blinded by these false prophets. And they didn't get a chance, and they're really sincere in their heart, and God knows their heart, and hear their prayers during this time. I say, what a God, rich in mercy. What a God, determined in this long-suffering, as in the days of Noah, not willing that any should perish. He sends forth messages by Billy Graham, anoints him. He sends forth Or Roberts, anoints him. He sends forth William Branham, anoints him. Why should you rejoice in that? Because you've got a lot of loved ones blinded by these false Prophets that you know are really sincere in their heart and God's so rich in mercy he hadn't forgot them either but sent them a message too I say what a mighty God you talk about a high priest you talk about a blood you talk about mercy mercy You talk about grace. The world's never seen mercy as what's been poured out into this age. And what should your attitude be? Where should we as the bride, how should we respond to all of this? What should be our response back I wonder, could this church get one with the Spirit today and be like Revelation 22, 17? And the Spirit and the Bride say, come, and him that heareth say, come, and let him that is with thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Amen. I wonder, can we show some bride quality this morning and say, come, let everybody's thirsty come. Hallelujah. Come drink of the water of life freely. This prophet speaks of the true church, those victorious ones, of the bride portion, the root that has put forth another branch. Again, again, there is a root that has prevailed. This root is putting forth another branch. The resume of the ages, he says that this was to be the age in which the true church would return to being the bride she was at Pentecost. And we know that there must be a necessity, a return of dynamic power. See, we we can't afford to let the power die out of the church. Amen. Because we have returned to be in the church, the bride that we were at Pentecost. Hallelujah. Where the root has now put forth another branch again. Oh, you would say, but what about the true seed? It will happen as we have said. The people of God are being made ready by the word of truth from the messenger to this age. In her, in this bride of this age, the seventh age, will be the fullness of Pentecost, for the Spirit will bring the people right back to where they were at the beginning. That is thus saith the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. A people brought back to where the bride was at the beginning. I'd be coming back to our homeland. There's somebody with me. Amen. That's thus saith the Lord he said because that's what Joel 2.23 says. Be glad then ye children of Zion and rejoice in the Lord your God for he hath given you the former rain moderately. He will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month and the floors shall be full of wheat and the fat shall overflow with wine and oil and I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar and the palm of worm, my army which I sent among you and ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that is that wondrously with you and my people shall never be ashamed we're not going to be left holding the bag we're not going to be left empty we're not going to be left ashamed are you with me church Amen. we're not going to come to the end and there's no rapture for us we're not going to come down to the end and not inherit all things. We will never be ashamed. We're in the hour of restoration. Hallelujah. Now, he said God says he's going to restore. The Lutheran age didn't restore. The church it started a reformation. The Western age did not restore. The Pentecostal age did not restore. But God has to restore. For he cannot deny his word. This is not... The resurrection of the church, it is the restoration. God will bring the church right back to Pentecost to the beginning. Now, verse 25 tells us why we need restoration. The locusts, the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palm worm, have eaten all but the root and a small bit of the stem. We know, we're told these are insects of all one and, and the same in different stages. That's right. They're the Antichrist spirit manifest an organization denomination false doctrine to the ages and that poor little root and stalk is going to be restored God isn't going to plant a new church he's not going to abandon his original planting he's not going to abandon the last age somebody help me preach now Amen. He ain't going to plant a new church. He's going to bring his original planting back to the original seed. Hallelujah. As he stated in in verse 23, by the teaching or former rain, next will come the latter harvest rain or rapture in faith. Brother Bradham told us a principle. God never blesses Israel till she gets in her homeland. Go back to the days of Abraham. Only when he got in his land was he blessed. Goes down to Egypt. Oh yeah, he gets material blessings, but the blessing of the promise of Isaac doesn't come till he gets back to the Promised Land. The real full blessings lies in the Promised Land. That's why it couldn't come in Luther or West or whatever. They 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 were trying to bring a Reformation and reform things in their system. But I want you to understand, God's not bringing a restoration, I mean, a a reformation of the system. God is bringing a restoration of the original planting. So he says, he says, God will never bless you. A Methodist, a Baptist, a Presbyterian Catholic, Pilgrim Holiness, Nazarene, Church of Christ, Pentecostal organization, he'll never bless you that way. Come back to the homeland. I'll be honest with you there. Some people can be blessed out there. That's their inheritance, but that ain't your inheritance. Amen. The bride's inheritance is in the homeland, like the Jews' inheritance is in Israel, not Germany, not America, not South America. It is in the homeland. That's where the Messiah will come. And our blessing doesn't lay out there. What God has for you lays in the precious homeland of the full word of God. Hallelujah. So come back to the homeland, to the beginning. Come back to the Pentecostal experience like happened on the day of Pentecost. When the power of God changed those thousands of people and set their hearts aflame with the fire of God that showed genuine, not impersonated sign, not some made-up telepathy, not some mockery, and got into a rat race like we have in America, who can have the biggest tent or who can have the biggest crowd? What difference does that make to God? God wants people honest in heart, not the big crowds we got a a rat race here running. What a disgrace it is that we can add a thousand more to our organization. It's It's a disgrace. He wants us to bring us back to the truth, back to the spirit, back to the right life, back to a highway in Christ, back to truth. How can he bless us the way we go? There's no blessing for you out there. The only way that you'll ever have the rapture is in the homeland. So he would say in his prayer, bring back the old-fashioned revival type of people today. This is Brother Brandon's prayer for you. Bring back the old-fashioned revival type of people. That's what we ought to have in every church service, a revival. Amen. That's what we ought to have in our daily lives is a revival. Bring back the old-fashioned revival type of people today. Bring them back to the original Pentecost. Bring them back to the blessing. Bring them back like the Pentecost that fell in A.D. 33. Give them the Pentecostal blessing. May the power of God come into the church. May there be divine healing gifts give to the church. May there be speakers with tongues, interpreters with tongues. May there be gifts of prophecy and all different manifestations, not make believe or try to believe or put on, but the real genuine coming with the Word, the Word of God made known, prophesying things that comes to pass. Hallelujah. Amen. Brother Branham said, again, God's provided way, we're promised a messenger in the last day, Malachi 4, that would restore the faith of the children back to the father's. The Pentecostal children are now getting away from it. We'll bring them back to the original message of the original Pentecostal. Hallelujah. I feel religious. Amen. Amen. I will restore. This is God's promise. That's God's promise for this church. Amen. The original Holy Ghost amen Uh, you know not not, not what Pentecost had Pentecost they were offered El Shaddai they were offered to nurse from the breast of God the Old and New Testament they were offered the baptism of the Holy Ghost they started out strong but Brother Brandon said they refused it and took the breast of a denomination with speaking in tongues instead made a denomination out of it are you with me And they refuse to nurse from El Shaddai. But he said, God's bringing a seed on that will nurse from that breast, and they will nurse all the way to the body change. Hallelujah. You ought to be nursing this morning. Amen. From that word of God, you ought to be pulling your strength from that promise of God with a new and fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost day by day in your experience. Now, God promised this church a scriptural sign. Brother Branham said it would come by Malachi 4. He said, back to the original seed. Malachi 4, by the same system, a prophet, he always did, that we would be restored back to the original faith. Oh, oh my. Back to the original seed, back to the seed like it was on the day of Pinnacle. Back to the same doctrine. You know, we're not preaching something Paul didn't preach. We have come back to the same doctrine Paul preached. This is not a new message. This is the original message. This is not a new church. It's the original root put forth the branch. It's the same church that was at the day of Pentecost. Amen. Back to the same doctrine, word by word, power by power, spirit. By the same thing, exactly like it was at the beginning, through signs and wonders of the living presence of the living God. Again, in uniting time and signs, just gonna lay some of these for you. What did he say in Malachi 4 would restore? Restore back the original Pentecostal faith back to the people with the same. Pentecostal message, the same Pentecostal sign, the same Pentecostal evidence, the same God, the same power, the same teaching, everything exactly with the vindication of the same pillar of fire that struck Paul down on the road, down to Damascus, and among us today, doing the same things he did. Amen. Let me tell you, what are we going to be? We're going to be a Pentecostal church then. Hallelujah. No, no. You know, you go to saying that and some people go to shouting because they're thinking, you're talking about Azusa Street. We're not talking about Azusa Street. Azusa Street was not the original. Azusa Street was taking the breast of a denomination with speaking in tongues and they got gifts of the Spirit. But they didn't get the life of the Spirit. Are you with me? They didn't get what was needed to go into the marriage. Amen, unfortunately, they, got, they took the name of Pentecost and they claimed they're, they're a twin. They are a shuck and not the seed. They look so much like it, even Brother Branham mistook them for, for being the seed for a while. and said, that was a true seed. But he comes out and he said, it's a shuck. If that thing's such a deceiving age... Amen of such a deceiving age, but it's not the true seed. It looked like it, it acted like it, it seemed like it, but it wasn't it. Amen. But there is a seed coming out of that chuck that will be the same original grain that was planted on the day of Pentecost. Amen, I even though the others have taken our name, that's who we are. Hallelujah. Now, we're back in the land. I'm gonna bring this down to a close. And I really am gonna close on this. It's Father's Day, and I've got some just some moments here. I want to focus now. We're back in the land. How many believes that? we got to go back to the old landmarks. we got to re- rediscover our borders. Unfortunately, the land is filled with inhabitants who are also claiming the land. That's why Israel found it when they went from Egypt. It's full of inhabitants, giants in the land. People's already possessing it. There's cities and walls and, hey, there, you know, there's people that have built cities and denominations on on truths of the promise. But I want to say today we're back in the land. It's a goodly land. Hallelujah, it's a goodly land. It's a wonderful land. But the enemy's doing everything he can to try to keep you off of what belongs to you. Don't forget this is a battle. And it's a battle for your life. And it's a battle against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. And and that's heavenly places. And the higher you go in God, the more you're opposed. And it ain't enough just to have demons against you, but princes of demons are coming against this church. Amen. They're coming against you as an individual. They're wanting to push you back. We'll push them into the sea. But we're not allowing them on this land. They're not having their rapture like was promised. We'll not let them take it. Come on, somebody. This is a condition we're in. The world is against you. Amen, on every side, every kind of howling demon that you can imagine, the lid is off the kettle. There's even spirits that have been released and and reinforcements that have come from, that have been bound in the river Euphrates that are released into this dimension. Our young people have more pressures than any other age. Amen, pornography has moved from a hidden place behind a clerk's desk at a store to right here in your hand. Amen, every kind of filth and Sodom and every kind of evil and there's incest and rape and every kind of sins and war games and our kids gets involved, not just kids, but adults, fathers can't even be fathers anymore. I don't know why I'm meddling down this area, but let me just say it, and we're just, we're just so stuck in our, in our little old world. And our minds is off the promise. we we got so many kids that are killing each other on the internet with war games and shootings and crime, and the more gory, the better. until they go right out into the schools and they have no conscience. It's like another game. They don't know reality from fiction. Insanity is coming upon the world that we're living in. And it's an evil day and an evil generation. But in the midst of it all, we can look over there in an evil world and we can see in the east there's a nation that's gathering waiting for the Messiah. And we can look with the spiritual eye and there's a people that are gathering, the people of the book, that are coming back to their land. Hallelujah, brother. And they are not come here to die. They have come here for the Messiah. Hallelujah. They're looking to the coming of the Lord. And they're, they're taking their land. And they're planting a flag here, and planting a flag here, and planting a flag there. Are you with me? Amen. You know, when I was in Israel, you could drive down even into some of the places and, uh, that, was, uh, that was the Palestinians were living. It was Israeli control. And there would be, there would be a, an Israeli flag that was flying there. And right beside it, here's a Palestinian flag flying by it. What are they doing? They're contesting who the land belongs to. And every devil wants to put his flag by your flag. And you put your hand on a promise and that devil wants to hold you back from it. But it's time that an army rises. An invincible army. A people that are empowered for the coming of the Lord. A people who know their God and who do exploits. To realize this is my hour and this is my land. We're back in the land. And guys, the devil has garrisoned off many of the promises yet. Yet. There still many things you in your own personal life need to possess. There are still many things with as good a church as we have that we still need to possess. There's more of this word that we need to experience the fruit of it. Not just talk about its doctrines, but know the life of it. Devils have garrisoned off many of God's promises. Sadly to say, even in Israel, spiritual Israel, in the message, churches are drying up. Sadly to say, many of their members are denominational Christians. They only come to church when they want to. They're Baptists and Methodists in their mentality. They have not come with the, with the image of Christ and realize if the love of God's in their heart, they can't wait till those church doors get open. They can't even do the simple things yet are claiming to be true Israelites, but they've lost their vision. That's not all. Churches are drying up. Many churches across the land, you can't even get an amen or a hallelujah. Can't sing the songs of praises, and there's no worship, and there's no shout of the king anymore in their midst. Churches are drying up. The ancient wells of salvation and the deliverance that we could draw from, they're there, but many of them are garrisoned around. There's healing wells where that we can draw from with joy the waters of our salvation. And it's time, it's time for evening like tabernacle. To that we again have a revival of praise, Amen. That there come forth the shout of the king from our midst, and that we be more than bit swarmers, but we be people that come and fly in the spirit, where all things are possible to them that believe. Amen. And that we enter into a worship and the praise of the great King of glory and realize we are people, a blessed people. We're back in our land. It's time that a burden returned to our hearts for the lost. Amen. For the lost, no matter where they are, help them come up a little higher. Maybe they're not bright. Maybe they're this. But help them. Whatever we can do to help you get into another higher realm. We don't want to see you lost. It's time to see a church that's on fire for God, that has a burden in their heart, and they sigh and they cry because of the sins. It's time that we have concerned parents and grandparents, and concerned young people who are convinced that this land is ours, and I don't want to see nobody miss it. It's time that we realize that if there is going to be a fruit in this age, it's going to have to come from the branch So it lays upon you and me. It's time that we realize our responsibility to the world. Seeing the seven seals have been opened to us. Bringing back the original gospel of Jesus Christ. And if they'll ever hear the original gospel. We're going to have to preach it to the world. It's time we put our heart into what we're doing. Come on now. Amen. Hey, man, I, hey, I'm, all, I'm, I'm all happy for fun and games, and I, I'm all excited about vacations and, and, and everything else. But I tell you, where is the soul's veil in people's lives? Where is their cry for reaching out in the Spirit? God never let evening-like tabernacle become another denominational church void of the Spirit of God and the power of the Christ. My brother Branham said it this way. He stood very alone. And I just, want you to, I just want you to understand. Before I go into this. The vine is putting forth. And we're beginning to bloom. But don't be satisfied with one or two Healings. And go back to sleep. Don't become awake and desperate because of Sister Alana and then say, Well, God healed her and lose your desperation. That's only one. We got to make a difference in another, and another, and another, and another. Somebody with me? Yes. Amen. Sure. Sure we see some fruits. I could go down to the line of them. And let me just do it for a moment. Amen. Because this, is, this message today is not a scolding. This message is an admonition to you as from a father. Yes. I'm a father. And as a father, I speak these things to my children. And I look and I say, yeah, we've put forth fruit and we've seen God move. We've seen God heal. We've seen God deliver. And there's a book of Acts being wrote. How many believes that? And some of you already have a chapter there. Don't put an amen to it because it ain't over. But you already started writing in that chapter. Sister Lana, you got a chapter, amen, in that book of Acts. Amen, where, where she, she did uh, victory lamps, laps around this church as a revelation struck her heart. Amen, and words came from my lips. She's rejoicing because her enemy is dead. Go back and listen to the tape. Your enemy is dead. Glory to God. Goes to the doctor and once you find out that your enemy is dead, there's not a sign of him. There's not an ash left of him. Your enemy is dead. Amen. Hallelujah. You think that just rings here in this church? No, that's why you've got to create an atmosphere of the Holy Ghost. Little brother in South Africa writes me. Michael knows he read it, and the library knows they read it. He, he writes me a, a note and said, "I have been languishing for months to hear the word of the Lord, and and to hear to hear the word. I wanted to hear the word. I have been dealing with a situation for years and years and years and years, and, years, and I can't get victory over. It, I want." hear those words, my enemy is dead. And I turned on that service and in that service Brother Tim said it over and again your enemy is dead and said I testify today my enemy is now dead. Oh hallelujah if you can get that revelation in your heart this morning you'll walk out here in victory. That devil cannot hold you. That devil that's held you in slavery and bondage can't hold you. Hallelujah. You wonder, why are you preaching like this? I'm in travail to bring forth birth. We've seen the Holy Spirit write a chapter for Jude, a little baby born with an atrophied kidney, non-functional, 90% gone. And see the Lord heal it and make it normal. And the other that was enlarged to be normal. And he's a normal child today. And that's in our book of Acts. We've seen the Holy Spirit sweep through a room and a little crippled baby that had been seen in a vision walk, healed by the power of God. Somebody help me preach now. Amen. You're eyewitnesses. The true the tree is blooming. There's some extreme things that are going on. Little mother back there, Jessica Conroy, afflicted by demonic oppressions of epileptic-like things that has happened to her, delivered by the power of God. It's a chapter in the Book of Acts. Amen. A woman with a brain bleed and lost her vision, and the Spirit of God swept through my home and healed my wife. I know. I I know. I was there. I was there when he swept through the building, and I'm here this morning, and he's here to sweep through the building once more with healing in his wings. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because why? The tree is putting forth a branch. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Hey, Amen. The list could go on and on. David Dexter with, a, with an autoimmune disease. There's many of you. There's many of you that got your chapter there in that book of Acts that you were writing, God doing the miraculous in your life. Some of it pulled out of sin. Some pulled out of such unbelief that it looked like impossible. But God took you, changed your life. Little Drew walks today. He was seen in a vision. Little sister Mariah lost her glory. And God is the restorer of the glory. How did it happen? It happened by a little girl taking the word, I can, I will, I do believe. And carrying hairpins up into the prayer line, say, I want to wear these. A bald-headed little girl who today has her glory back. And I'm preaching to a church today who who are people who were bereft Of the Spirit of God and bereft of the move of God. And God is restoring in this last day the glory back to His church again. Hallelujah, showing that she's vowed to God as a Nazarite unto the Lord. Many of you don't know the, the story of Caleb here. Caleb, stand up. You know how the boy walked. He couldn't walk normally. He's a crippled kid. I know what it is to be a crippled kid. I know what it is. I know how it feels. Caleb was seen in a vision. Walking normally. In one of the prayer lines of this church. Brother Ron Spencer saw it. Walk up here, Caleb. Caleb. Find these steps, Caleb. I'm telling you, the vine is putting forth a branch. And it's a glorious branch. And in that branch is a healer. There is a deliverer. And if he can take your crippled body and heal it, he can heal a crippled soul and bring it back to and what's it white as snow thank you brother Caleb what is it the vine is putting forth another branch take your seat just a minute I'm through but I'm just almost through I want to bring it down to us. There are anxious wells of salvation. Deliverances that we can draw from. There's healing waters that we can draw with joy. The, well, the waters of salvation. And it's time that we in this church have a revival of praise even in the face of other churches going dry and drying up and it's time that we have a fresh drink of water and offer our king i preach this morning that he is our king and he's not in power yet but he's coming in power Right now he's a fugitive and he's cast out of his church. I'm talking about Laodicea, the false church. He's, he's cast out. And there, he's unwanted there. Like David was. He was a fugitive, though he was anointed as king. And our Christ is anointed as king. And he's coming king. And you're a people that are gathered around him today. Why are you here? You, you are saying, let thy kingdom come. Amen. We're tired of this sin of unbelief, this demon, demonic oppression that's in the world. Let thy kingdom come. Let thy will be done on this earth just as it is in heaven. It's not argued with there. It's not a strange words there. It's not debated there. It's believed there. And Brother Branham stood there as a general, as a mighty Gentile warrior, stood by this Christ that he could show his presence. This word that he said is real. He said it's it's the original word. And with signs proving that he was there, he couldn't come in physical form, but he was there in the power of his word. How many's with me now? And why, little Bethlehem brother Branham screamed out, "Oh, come stand by my side! I'm standing in a terrible place." I challenge today these tapes will go all over the world. I challenge some man, some warrior who loves Jesus Christ and knows that these things has got to be fulfilled today. Brethren, come stand by my side and pull the word of God. Forget these dried cisterns and stagnated denominations you're living in. Pour the fresh word of God and let's give Jesus a good drink of fresh Pentecostal water. That's his desire. Back to original Pentecost. Back to the word. It's prophesied. We do so. Malachi, the fourth chapter, return back to the faith of the Pentecostal fathers back again. Who would stand this morning? He said, oh, you Bethlehem dwellers. Now remember, David was a coming king, a fugitive running for his life. He gets in the battle with the Philistines because Saul, the organized religion, wouldn't do it. And his, his home was now garrisoned. Bethlehem, where he was born, was now garrisoned with A Philistine garrison and the well that had the fresh water that he once had drank from as a boy was now was now all garrisoned around and closed off from the ones that owned it. And Brother Branham said, Oh, you Bethlehem dwellers, hallelujah! I call for men, for warriors who's not afraid. Listen, last Sunday I I preached some things there. I had to take some stands on some things. I wonder today, in this church, is there some warriors, amen, that are willing to stand for truth in this hour? Is there a people that are ready to rise to the occasion, not to rally around me, but to rally around the Word of God and say, we are going to be a church Amen. We're going to be a church with total deliverance. We're going to be a church in full bloom that brings forth the fruit of every promise. Oh, you Bethlehem dwellers, hallelujah, I call for men, warriors who's not afraid. I don't care if there's 800 standing on one side and 1,000 on the other. I want warriors who will come with me and cut a hole to this line of unbelieving Philistines. A world council has got garrisoned around the Word of God, trying to make it creeds and feed the people. There is a well. There is a fountain open in the house of David, Bethlehem, for sin and unclaiming us. Brother, sin is unbelief in his word. Who, warrior, can that can see the millennium coming? Hallelujah. What warrior can see that this great Holy Spirit in the form of Jesus Christ, the literal body of Christ to take it over again? Stand with me. Stand by me. Let's cut a hole through this denominational creed. Let's get in there. He is crying for a good, fresh drink of Pentecostal water, original Pentecost, not a bunch of carrying on and screaming and hollering, but I mean a real, genuine, Holy Ghost Spirit baptism that produces the life of Christ back into the person again. I don't know. You know, David said, oh, that I might drink of that well. well our David coming king. That's not king yet, but he's our king. Hey, Amen. We're maybe a fugitive. We may be rejected. We may look, be down, look down on and despised. By, we may look strange and look different, but we got a different king. We're a citizen. We're from another country, and that's how they dress here. That's how they look here. Is somebody with me now? Amen. And our king is crying for a fresh drink of Pentecostal water. Hallelujah. Now, here I am this morning. I got my bucket and I got my flag. Amen. Lord to God. And I'm going to put my flag on a promise and I'm drawing the water out of it. I wonder, is there men and women in this building this morning that's got a flag, amen, that's that's got an identity with this word? I am a part of this word, and I'm putting my flag on a promise of God. It may be for my children, my grandchildren. It may be for healing. It may be for me, whatever it is, but I'm putting my flag there, and I'm drawing water from it, and I'm going to offer him a fresh drink. Hallelujah, with a fresh praise, with a renewed life, with a rededicated and consecrated life. Is there a warrior that will stand by my side? Will you stand to your feet? Then will you take your flag and lift it high and say, today I put my flag on my promise. Let the musicians come, please. I'm putting my flag on my promise this morning. And I'm going to give Jesus a fresh drink, not a stagnated religious pool, but a fresh drink of the original Pentecostal waters. I'm going to offer my king a drink this morning. I'm going to give him a praise and the glory. I may be a young person. You say, Brother Jim, I'm just a kid. Listen, when I was 15 years old, I started waving my flag long before that. But as a preacher, I started waving my flag. You're not too young this morning to wave your flag and hold it high. This is my promise, Lord. This is my land, and I'm claiming my land. Amen. I just wonder, I just wonder while I, 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 I don't know what kind of music you want to play right now, but I just want to talk to hearts right now in this moment. I wonder if there's somebody in the other army over there. And you've been a part of Satan's kingdom and in his army. And you've been doing the works of his kingdom. And today you hear of a real king. and a land where there dwells righteousness. And it doesn't make you slaves and in bondage to sin. And you want to ask a new king to come on your heart and your life. Would you raise your hand to God? And here's my flag. I want to surrender to that God, that God that'll make a new creature out of me, that God that'll take sin out of my life and make me new in him. I want to serve that God that's a God of miracles that can transform my life, that I can know a real transformer that don't transform me into a demon but transforms me into the son of God. Would there be a hand raised to God, say, that's me, Brother Tim? that's me, that's me, I want to join that army today, I want to be in that number, would you raise your hand to God and say, Lord, save me, I perish, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, you've seen the hearts, Lord. All the Father hath given me will come. And he that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Lord, today I pray that you'll take every heart and every life into your bosom, Lord, into your heart. Just love them up to you, Lord, and set them free from that that awful tyrant that's had control over their lives, may they this day take Jesus to be the Lord, the ruler of their life. May they lift up the flag high and say, I'm no longer a part of that country. I'm a part of his great provisions. I pray, Lord, for this church that you'll bring us into a place of worship and praise and the shout of the king will go forth from this place into all the lambs to those that are hungry and thirst for righteousness in Jesus' name, amen thank you Lord sweep over my soul sweep over my soul Sweet Spirit, sweep. Oh, let Him sweep over you this morning. Oh, my rest rest is complete while I sit at Your feet. Sweet Spirit, sweep over my soul. Just sing it, worship Him, will you? Sweet. just raise your hands to him again and just say sweep over my soul lord sweep over my soul you want to consecrate a life with him you invite him to come you want a freshness in the presence of the lord you invite him to come to where you are factor now. Oh, sweep over my soul, sweep over my soul, sweet spirit, sweep over my soul. Oh, my rest is complete. spirit just broods now yeah. us so much He left all the glory to become one of us He paid the price of redemption for your sins He loves you today He wants the best for your life He wants to give you the joy you need the healing you need He's provided this whole land in this land, the blessings flow. I want you to realize as you leave from this place, you got a heavenly Father, and He cares about you and your need. You say, Brother Tim, my heart has been so burdened because of a need. He cares. He cares for you. Yes, Jesus. Loves me Yes I'm so mad Jesus loves me Yes Jesus Loves me The Bible Tells me so Raise your hands too Yes Jesus Loves me loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, the fire. you got that verse, Jesus loves me, he who died, Jesus loves me, he who died, yeah. Raise your hands to him now and just tell him how much you love him. Just tell him from your heart, oh, love of God, so rich, so pure, so measureless and strong. You would love somebody that God would love, a sinner such as I. Take a wretched man. Take a old, little old crippled boy change his life make a son of God out of him and transform him into a minister of the gospel in this end time what a mighty God you are Lord thank you Jesus yes Lord you love me yes you love me and I want to love you back today with all my heart with all as within me in moments like these I sing out a song let's just worship him a moment let's praise him with all your heart now from the depths of your soul This, with all sincerity all with all guile and dishonesty God just just loving from the depths of your heart in moments like these, I sing out a song. I sing out a love song to Jesus. In moments like these, I lift up my hand. I lift up my hand. I lift up.